Welcome to the Twinkle Trainee Teachers and ECTs podcast. My name's Simeon. I was a teacher for eight years. I was a maths lead and RE lead. But the absolute highlight of my career for me was getting to work with trainee teachers and help them begin their careers on the right foot. Now, it's that time of year again where we're thinking about the starts of placements, about going into classrooms, and that means this week we're going to be talking about behaviour management. Um, So I've got two other Twinkle Trainee team members with me today, and we're going to be giving you our best advice and tips to deal with some common questions and concerns regarding behaviour management. Just before we do, I'd like to remind you of how you can get in touch with us through our various social media channels. So you can find us on Facebook. If you search facebook.com slash twinkle trainee teachers or one word, we're on Twitter slash X at trainee twinkle. Instagram is instagram.com slash twinkle trainee teachers or one word. Pinterest is the same pinterest.co.uk slash twinkle trainee teachers. We're on TikTok at Twinkle Trainee Teachers. We try and make it easy for you. And our new YouTube channel, you can find us at Twinkle Trainee Teachers ECTs. Okay, that's E-C-T-S. And this podcast will be going out on most podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Music. Okay, so um, congratulations to any ECTs who have started off the year. I hope you've had a good start to the year and kind of you've got through those first couple of weeks and the nerves have gone down and you're enjoying the time with your class. I think today's episode could be very helpful for ECTs too, but we're especially thinking about trainee teachers who are going on their placements for the first time. So with me today, we have Matisha. Hi everyone, I'm Matisha and I run the YouTube channel and the Facebook groups for the Trainee Teachers and ECTs team. Before joining Twinkle, I was teaching for seven years, predominantly in Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2. I've also got some experience in supply teaching and I'm really happy to be here to help you all with managing behaviour. And we also have a brand new member of the team. Say hello to Harriet. Hello, um, I'm Harriet. I'm Twinkle's very first university outreach partner. And my role is to work with universities and training providers to support trainee teachers on their way to becoming educators. Uh, Previous to this, I taught for seven years, mainly in reception and nursery. So people who are with training providers, they might be getting an email or, or some kind of contact from you this year, Harriet. Absolutely, yes, yeah. Okay, so I've written down some kind of common questions we get about behaviour management, usually on our social media channels, and I thought we could talk through them and just kind of give our best advice. So the first one I've got is how should trainee teachers start off when they go into schools and begin meeting children? So I would say, first of all, just be prepared. So before you start your placement, try to do some research on the school and the children that you will be teaching. This will help you feel more confident and prepared when you come to meet them for the first time. And also really, really important, just be yourself. Children can tell when you're being genuine. So be yourself and let your personality shine through. This will help you build rapport with them and help create a positive learning environment as well. 
Absolutely, Matisha, I agree. Um, researching the school before you start, um, having a look at their behaviour policy, which is sometimes on their website, just give you a good understanding of how the school works and how they support children with their behaviour. Um, and I also think when you're first starting off in a school and you're meeting children, uh, I think establishing relationships is vital. So focus on getting to know the children really well. They're all so unique. Um, you know, their behaviour is going to be influenced by all sorts of factors you know, their family, their experiences, self-confidence. So understanding the children individually, I think is really important and a good place to start. Yeah, I agree with with both of you there. Um, the only thing I think I might add, I'm not sure how you both feel about this, is you definitely want to err on the side of being more professional because what can sometimes happen is if you go in and you're a bit too jokey, a bit too friendly with the children, you might be setting yourself up for trouble down the road when you shift more into that teacher role. So I think definitely be friendly, be interested, but make sure you're coming off as a professional, you're coming off as a teacher. I absolutely agree with that, Simeon. I think it's really important to go in and establish that professional, friendly relationship because later down the line, if you're trying to manage behaviour, um, they might be a bit confused as to why you were really friendly to begin with and then feel like you've changed a little bit. So it's important just to keep professional Okay, so um, we've all had to do it, and I remember being very nervous about this. What advice do we have for someone who's going to work with their first group for the first time or, you know, read a story to the class for the very first time? Okay, so I would say to be prepared for the unexpected. So things don't always go to plan in the classroom, and be prepared for things that might may potentially happen. So have a backup plan in case your lesson runs over or if you encounter any technical difficulties. And also one thing, another thing that I would say is if you want to, you can actually practice your lesson as well, not necessarily with the children, but once you've planned it, you can practice teaching it to a friend, a family member, maybe even a colleague. So this will help you maybe identify any areas that you need to improve on or to feel more confident in when you teach it to the children. I also think it's really important. So when you're teaching your first group or lesson to make sure that you're setting expectations of what you want to see from the children. Um, so aside from the actual learning session, um, you need to sort of also set expectations around their behavior and what you're expecting. So for example, you might say, oh, this is what we're going to do, but this is how we're going to do it. Um, and I think this will help the children feel more comfortable. They understand what's um, what's required of them um, and, and also what's happening around them. And you can also settle into the learning a bit better if they've got a better understanding of how they need to sort of act and be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with that comes just planning a little bit of time for that, a little bit of time at the start to set expectations. And like you said, Harriet, the, the key thing is how are we going to do this? The children will be used to learning things, but how do you like to work? How, how do you like to approach things? Do you want it very quiet and calm? You might need to set out your stall a little bit to achieve what you want. So what are some common behavior management strategies to be aware of? I'd say one of the ones that I used the most was positive reinforcement. So that's the process of rewarding students for good behavior. So this can be done in a variety of ways. You can give verbal praise, stickers, or maybe other small rewards. Positive reinforcement is a good way to promote and encourage good behavior and create a positive learning environment. Because if other children who are misbehaving see how 
other children are being rewarded for positive behaviour, it could help them change their behaviour choices. Absolutely, Matisha. Always um, leading with positive reinforcement, I feel, is the best way to go. Um, I just um, think it's important to mention there's sort of some overriding principles of all sorts of behaviour management strategies that you'll come across. And I think um, one of them is to just always have clear expectations, um, like we just discussed before. I think be fair and consistent. So children need to know where they stand and what to expect. And also they will definitely pick up if they feel like you're not being fair. Um, And I think also it's important to think about proportionate application. So the behaviour management strategy that you decided to use, is it fitting for the situation and the behaviour? Will the children see it as justified? Um, And it's really important to make sure that you're following up or you're having a debrief with children to make sure that they understand why you had to, you know, apply a strategy or manage their behaviour. Do they understand the impact of it? Um, Do they know what to do moving forward? Just to make sure you're really clear um, on those things. I 100% agree, Harriet. I think it's also important to note that there's not a like one size fits all approach to behavior management. Like every child is an individual and the best strategy for a particular child will depend on their needs and behaviors as well. Yeah. And we've already touched on this, but you will have to tailor your behavior management somewhat to the school you're in and the class you're in. And hopefully when you meet your class teacher and you talk with them, you can ask about how they like to manage behaviour, what's in place at the school. They might have a system like Class Dojo where they give out points or they might have a traffic light system. Those were very common when I was training just children's names on red, yellow and green and they'd move up and down. And again, like Harriet said, they get an explanation of why they've been moved down and kind of a debrief and a chance to move back up. That's that's always really important. Yeah, so I, th- I think the main thing is that you're looking on the website, you're talking to your class teacher and you're trying to make sure you're being consistent with the school because that will produce better results. Ah, <laughs> how can I remain positive and develop good relationships while still maintaining good behaviour? This is always a bit tricky, I find, because you want to be that teacher who is like, you know, almost kind of like a friend, someone that they can talk to as well, especially if you're with the older children. But you also want to be have that balance of I am your teacher and you need to listen to me as well. So I think something important that I would say is just be consistent with your expectations and consequences. So this will help children to learn what to expect and to make better choices. And also get to know the children in your class as well. So take the time to learn about the children's hobbies, interests and their families. And this will help you understand them as individuals and build relationships with them. And they will know that you've made the effort as well. So that will show that that you are trying to develop a good relationship with them but you're also their teacher too so just having that balance so I think it's really important as well to have mutual respect for each other so um which is really based on being fair and not that you're just telling children um, what to do you're sort of explaining why it's important to do things a certain way and I think that really helps keep relationships positive because the children can see the value in acting a certain way and behaving in a certain way Yeah, and I think that's where the class teacher will have an advantage because it's likely they will have taken time at the start of the year to kind of set out what they want the classroom to be like. They might have done a class charter or some class rules as a collaborative thing so everyone's on board and they understand why things are the way they are. All the children have gone through this school and it's been the same in every class so they understand it from that perspective and you're coming in from the outside. Um, So like we said earlier, I think the more you can get engrossed in the way the school does things and follow that, the easier it will be 
also if you spend time up front getting to know names, getting to know things about the children, maybe going out for a play time and just building those relationships, as Matisha and Harriet said, that will really come in when you're teaching the class because it won't be, you know, suddenly you've you've come in and you're in charge. It will be, oh, I know this person. I know what they're like. It's a different relationship and it's a much easier one. So let's, oh, right. Okay. This is quite interesting. And this is something that's definitely happened to me and people I know. So this one says, help, the children in my class don't behave as well for me as they do for the regular teacher. What can I do? Do you know what? Like, I think every teacher would have experienced this at some point. And it's completely normal if you are experiencing this. Don't worry. Um, It happens often. And what I believe is that the more that you know about the children, the more better equipped you will be to manage their behavior. So talk to the regular class teacher about the children's strengths, their weaknesses, and as well as any specific behavior concerns that they have before you meet the children. Because if you go in knowing, then you know kind of how to react and how to behave as well. And if you're struggling to manage a particular child's behavior, then please do not be afraid to seek help from the regular teacher. Observations are great as well, as in just observing how different teachers, kind of what strategies they use with particular children as well. That's quite good. And also I think Simeon just mentioned before, it's like just going into the playground as well, just kind of like just talking to the children, becoming a familiar face. So, and then once you've kind of like established that and they know who you are, then it will take some time, but they will start to respect you and behave as well as they do for their regular teacher. Definitely. And I'd also say it's important to not be too hard on yourself. Like children will naturally push boundaries and see what they can get away with. And when they're, you know, being taught by different people, they really need to know, you need to set your expectations and your sort of, so they know where the boundaries are. So have confidence. Um, and also it is important, like Matisha was just saying, to observe and reflect. So is there something that you could change about how you're managing their behavior? You know, do you need to go and have a chat with the class teacher about individual children, how they find best to, to work with that child? So always, you know, it, it can be a bit daunting asking for advice on, on, your, um, on your teaching, but I do think it's really useful. And also just to yeah, reflect on, on, on how you're doing things and is there is something you maybe need to change. Yeah, completely agree. Um, What can be hard sometimes is that experienced teachers are often doing a lot with behaviour management kind of below the surface and they may be so used to doing it that they don't even realise to tell you to do it. So it might be the tone they're using, how they move around the room, how they've positioned certain children around the room it could be it could be the teacher look we've all heard of the teacher look but some teachers can stop a class with a look and it's uh, yeah it can be very effective so all these things are things we need to learn and pick up when we start and I would encourage you, if you're observing a teacher, to look out for the little things. How do they get children on and off the carpet if it's younger children? Or if it's older children in high school, how do they set out expectations at the start of a lesson? Or how do they deal with interruptions and calling out? Do they make a joke out of it or is it a stricter approach? All of these little things will build up to a behaviour management toolkit you can access over time. And the hard thing is quite often you'll find situations that aren't in your toolkit 
and you kind of have to make something up and, and learn how to deal with that situation and maybe ask later, well, um, I, I did this. Is there a better way I could have done it? Um, right. So, oh, brilliant. How do you manage behavior with younger children? So should we say sort of reception age children? The first thing that I would say is understanding child development. So children develop at their own rates and in their own ways. And remembering that developing the skills to manage behavior, navigate personal, social and emotional situations is part of a child's learning. It's one of the prime areas um, in the curriculum and it underpins the rest. So it's really important to understand what sort of behavior you should be expecting from children and what is normal, um, you know, what is normal challenging behavior for, for children in reception. So I would definitely say start there, learning what is typical behavior for a child in reception, understanding where their child is at, and then that will help you to identify their next steps and how you can support them. So you can actually look to the curriculum for support. It talks of um, adult guidance and support, modeling, supported interaction, exploring situations together, especially around um, conflict resolution, talking about feelings and um, learning about emotions. All of those sort of activities will help children to build um, emotional literacy. And I would also say perhaps more for ECTs than trainees, but you know, this is still something you could do to speak to the parents. So how is the child at home? Is there anything happening there? Are they going through a particularly challenging transition? You know, consider the context as well. Is the child coming to school hungry? Have they got a good sleep schedule? You know, sleep and hunger and all that sort of thing. It will affect all children, but I, particularly younger children, it will have a massive impact. So strategies, um, quick strategies you could use would be redirection, adult support modeling in a group situation or using individual behavior charts, you know, now and next cards and boards to help the children understand the organization of the day, natural consequences. So if a child, for example, is at the sand tray and they're throwing sand, it might be that if you've given them a warning or two, it might be then that you sort of, they have to move away and choose a different activity. Um, so interaction with an adult, so explain the boundaries. You can't do that. Or you, you, going to take that bit away sorry delete that <laughs> oh interaction with an adult explaining the boundaries reading a book um, and will all help children to regulate um and then longer term solutions is read books about emotions and feelings you know you might have to plan some small group work using a persona doll um circle time turn taking games uh, role playing different scenarios will help children learn how to act in certain situations and also having calm spaces in the classroom. You could speak to the teacher about um, if they have sort of any tools to help children with self-regulation, how to calm themselves if they're feeling particularly upset. Thank you, Harriet. And uh, I really appreciate your expertise. I spent a little bit of time in reception. I have two young children, so I, I have only a limited experience here. But from raising my own children, I found the most effective thing was giving them choices. And I know that that isn't always possible in school. But like you said, redirection can be really helpful. And a choice doesn't always have to be much of a choice, but they, they can be really helpful, especially if a child's four or five years old and say they're a little bit behind developmentally, they might not have good emotional control yet. And it is something they will learn by being at school and watching other children. But like you said, putting in all that work with PSHE, with stories, all of those things will help them learn emotional control. And it's really important they do because otherwise it will make all their other learning more challenging. So I, I think investing in kind of children's emotional well-being might be the way to go there. 
So um, how about with older children, let's say year six children? So for year six and up, I would say that older children really appreciate having a say in their learning. So give them choices where possible, such as what activities they want to work on or how they would like to present their work. This can help them feel more engaged and motivated, and it can also help reduce misbehavior as well. Also, another side of it would be to actually show the children that you care about them and that you're interested in their success. So get to know what their interests and hobbies are and make an effort to connect with them. When children feel more connected to you, I feel that they're likely to behave for you as well. So really just get to know them, get to know like kind of what what they're into these days as well. So I think that's quite important because, you know, kind of year six and up, they're reaching that age of kind of being interested in slightly different things to what younger children are. So, you know, kind of get to know what they're interested in. And also just remind them as well that even though that you are trying to be someone who can connect with them and that sort of thing, that you still are their teacher and, you know, still have that healthy balance as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, I always found older children more challenging, especially high school children. Um, I, I think the connecting is a good idea. My wife always says that her favourite teacher in high school set out the expectations at the start of every single lesson, which I I don't know. Um, She said it was really effective and she had the best behaviour in the whole school. But I think it's a hard balance to find that being more connected and a bit more jokey without kind of being too much so and maintaining your professionality and being a teacher. I think as as a trainee, probably err a little more on the side of professional to start with, get to know the children. And as you progress throughout the year, you'll be able to form more of that, that nice, friendly relationship with them. This happened to me. And again, I know several people this happened to. So what would you do if you don't agree with the way your class teacher manages behavior? I would say it's really important to have a conversation with them about it, but choose the right time and place. Like don't have the conversation when you're both really busy and really stressed. Instead, schedule a time to meet where you can both be focused and have a private conversation about it. So if you, even if you disagree with your class teacher, it's still really important to be respectful of their position and their experience because they are going to be much more experienced than you are and they would have been through their own kind of teaching practice as well so that remember and they're also trying to do what's best for their for the class too so it's it's important to have a conversation about it identify exactly what you don't agree with so say something like i don't particularly agree with this strategy so is there another way that we can try and reduce this type of behavior Simeon, you mentioned earlier that um, sometimes experienced teachers will be doing multiple things simultaneously to manage behaviour and it's easy to not even notice them. It's in the really small details. So you might not agree with how it's being managed, but maybe it's because you don't understand, you know, the full situation just yet or a particular need that a child has that the teacher's already had to adapt something for. So I think, um, like Matisha said, it's really important to have those conversations, but make sure that you're going into that conversation being respectful. Is it something um, that you just don't particularly like or is there a reason why you think it's not good for the child or it's not good for the group of children to experience that kind of behavior management technique? So and of course, if you've got any real concerns then speak to um, the head teacher or the DSL just for advice. Yeah, and it really depends on what we're talking about here. I mean, if it is something very serious that you think shouldn't be going on in a classroom, absolutely, you should speak to someone about it. But 
I would say 99% of the time it's going to be a stylistic difference. Maybe they're a bit stricter than you. Uh, maybe they speak a bit more harshly to the children than you would personally do. And that, that can be a common thing with teachers who've been in the profession for quite a long time versus new teachers. There's kind of an idealism that comes with being a new teacher that you want every child to flourish and be the best they can be and have the best possible experience. And somewhere along the way, the reality of teaching and behavior management can kind of conflict with that. So I think if, if you feel you can have a respectful conversation with your class teacher without coming across like you know better, because if you come in like you know more than them or they're doing something wrong, I don't picture that conversation going especially well or being productive. So it really has to be, I, I just like to try things a different way. I, I wouldn't be critical of them. I'd just say, is it possible I could try managing it in this way? Or like Matisha said, are there any other strategies we could use here? Because I'm not quite comfortable using this one. It doesn't feel like a good fit for me personally. But yeah, always a bit tricky. But just remember, one day you will have your own classroom and the teacher on your second placement might manage behavior completely differently. So it's it's not a forever situation. Oh, an ECT question. Okay, so I'm an ECT. How can I tackle low-level disruptive behavior in my year three class? This brings back memories for me because I had a year three class at one point in my teaching career. And the best thing that I found with them, it takes time to develop, but to use nonverbal cues. So using things such as eye contact, facial expressions, body language, all of those things can be very effective in managing low-level disruptive behavior. For example, if a child is talking when they shouldn't be, you can give them a quick stare or maybe even shake your head. This can often be enough to get that child to stop their behavior. I absolutely agree, Matisha. Just those really small um, non-verbal cues sometimes are key when tackling a low-level disruptive behaviour. So it might be, for example, that you need to change where you're standing, if people are talking while you're talking, so close proximity, or just having a really quiet word with the children, uh, with the child, sorry, when they're um, doing their work. And again, really praising other pupils and students that are listening, are taking part. I think that's always really helpful. Like we've said all throughout this podcast, setting out your expectations regularly, you might need to try some quiet working times. You might need to explain why you want it done in this particular way, what the benefit is to the whole class. You might even need to do a PASHE on kind of why calling out isn't fair to everyone, those kind of things. Also, if you can focus on the positive, the people who are doing the right thing, you usually get more of the behavior you focus on. Right, last two questions. Oh, this is a nice one. So um, what is your best piece of advice to improve behavior management? My best piece of advice would be to try and build a relationship with the children. So I think this is the most important thing that you can do to improve your behavior management. So when children feel connected to you and they trust you, I feel that they're more likely to want to behave for you. Take the time to get to know your children's interests and hobbies and let them know and show them that you care about them and that you're interested in their success and their learning. I feel that once you've built like a strong relationship with your students, you can start to establish clear expectations and consequences for behavior. 
So be clear and concise about what you expect from the children. Make sure they understand the consequences if they don't behave in the, in the right way. And it's also important to be so consistent with your expectations and consequences. So you can't keep changing them every other day. Like, you know, if you've just, if you're, the children know that this is your expectations, then that's the way it should go. This will help the children to learn what to expect and also to make better choices. I think, uh, in my opinion, the most effective way of managing behaviour is to remember that behaviour is a form of communication. So always start with the child-centred approach. So consider the child, what's happening in their life, why they might be acting a certain way, why why they might be displaying a certain behaviour, and sort of go from there, remain positive and get to know the child and see how you can support them. Yeah, and I'd just add that I view engagement as a form of behavior management and what i mean by that is if you plan an engaging lesson that all the children in your class can access it's well differentiated or scaffolded and you deliver it in an engaging way that's going to take care of a lot of the behavior problems because children don't misbehave when they're enjoying what they're doing and they're learning right and the final question um thank you so much for your time both of you this has been really interesting what is one common mistake that I should watch out for? I would say is not being consistent. So consistency is key when it comes to behavior management. So when new teachers are not consistent with their expectations and consequences, it can lead to confusion and the children will get frustrated. Children need to know what to expect and what the consequences will be for their behavior. And if they're not sure what to expect, then they are more likely to misbehave. So definitely be consistent. I absolutely agree, Matisha. Consistency Um, I did actually put as well just to try and not let your own feelings impact how you're managing behavior. So if you're a trainee teacher or you're an ECT, you know, it's quite common to feel stressed at certain points and a bit burnt out. So remember to take a deep breath. You know, we all have certain triggers, certain behaviors that children display that really seem to get to us. Um, So just try and reframe it. Remember, you know, you're there to support the children with their learning and with their behavior and think about how you can move forward. And I'll say just try not to take things personally. Behavior is usually a symptom of something else going on. It's, it's usually nothing to do with you. You are just on the receiving end of it. And how you deal with behavior is an opportunity to model to a child how to deal with behavior, how to deal with things they don't like. So even though it can be frustrating sometimes, especially if you're having to do the same thing every day and you're thinking to yourself, when is this going to end? It's important to stay consistent, stay calm where you can and yeah, not view it as anything personal against you because most of the time it really isn't. Thank you, Harriet and Matisha, for coming on. If you'd like to ask us anything else, if you have any more questions or concerns, please do reach out to us on the social media channels I mentioned at the start of the show. I'll put the links in the description to this podcast. Good luck on your placements. I hope you have a brilliant time and we're here if you need any more help and advice. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Good luck. Goodbye.